you probably remember Beto O'Rourke as either the ultimate charismatic politician or a huckster who did performative hokey acts to grab media coverage, whether it be jumping on a diner table, whether it be live streaming everything he did, including his dental appointments, you know, the scintillating speech during the presidential run on the debate stage. He was all very good at the performative art of politics, reminded people of JFK Jr., uh, Obama. But on Friday night, in the only gubernatorial debate in Texas, where he is challenging Republican Governor Greg Abbott, there is a different piece of Beto that I saw that I wanted to talk about a little bit on this edition of Too Close to Call. Hello, I'm David Katniss. Thanks for listening. Whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or at our home on Substack, I appreciate you. Texas, Beto. He had some substance, and let me say, he had an A-plus debate. He is down in this race against Greg Abbott about, by about seven or eight points. That is a very tough margin to make up with only 40 days left in an election. But Beto did all he could, and his performance was really grounded in substance. He didn't raise his voice. It was all about sort of flipping the script and trying to make this race about a referendum on Governor Greg Abbott. As we know, the country has lots of problems. Texas is among the states with problems. They are not immune from them. But just as Republicans are benefiting nationally from an environment where people are mad about paying more at the pump and at dinner and at the grocery store, and they're mad about crime, they're blaming the people in power, which right now is President Biden. In Texas, Beto's trying to flip the script and say, hey, you had eight years, Governor Abbott. Why haven't you solved these problems? And he's really honed into them, into that line of thinking on two issues which dominated the debate, which were immigration and guns. And look, overarching, my overarching take is that this, I think this debate was a draw because Abbott was also very good substantively. He had his responses prepared and he had his case to make for his voters. But O'Rourke did a very good job of putting him on defense. For most of the debate, O'Rourke was on offense litigating Abbott's record. And I think on immigration, cleverly what he did was say, look, there's a border failure, but this is Abbott's border failure. Abbott, of course, said, you know, it's Biden's fault. But on the migrant issue, where you probably know, Abbott has sent migrants, bus them to D.C., bus them to New York, I believe also to Chicago. I know Beto said it's political theater. We want solutions. This is for his political career to run down the line for president. 
But Beto offered a substantive policy answer. He said, look, I want to start a guest worker program to allow some of these migrants to stay to help with our labor needs. There's a labor shortage. And we can tap some of these people and use them to fill that void. Abbott basically said, look, these local communities are overrun, so the busing is relief to them. And and I'm sure if you're in those local communities and you're a mayor or you're a city council person dealing with it, it, it is an overwhelming task. So they probably related to that answer by Abbott. Beto's, you know, basically like, this is not how you treat humans. You don't put them on a bus and ship them out. Maybe not tell them where they're going. It's dangerous. But keep kept coming back to the refrain of, you're governor for eight years. Why is this your, why is this still happening? Why haven't you fi- fixed the problem? Um, and Abbott also made a little news saying there's going to be more cities he's going to send migrants to. It's not going to be just New York and D.C. Any liberal city that has infrastructure to handle it, Abbott, it sounded like Abbott's going to send more migrants. So watch that. But I think the immigration part of the debate was was probably a draw. On guns is where I, I think Beto scored a point by putting Abbott on the defensive. Obviously, you remember the Uvalde massacre. And Beto essentially made the case that Abbott has done nothing on guns since then. And he cleverly made the argument that even Florida, MAGA-filled, Republican-friendly Florida, a few years ago in 2018, acted on guns. They raised the age on purchasing an assault rifle from 18 to 21. And it was a Republican governor who signed that into law, Governor Rick Scott, who's now a senator, who also wants to run for president one day. And I think this could become a dividing line between Scott and Abbott and a Republican primary if they're both on the same stage in a future uh, presidential primary debate. Because Abbott will will not consider lifting the age to purchase an assault rifle. He cited constitutional grounds and that that law would get struck down, really didn't deal with the substance of whether he agreed with it. I think he more said, look, the court's going to throw this out, the Supreme Court will, will drop it. But here you had Rick Scott in 2018 who raised the age to buy an assault weapon from 18 to 21 after the Parkland shooting. Now, interestingly, Beto was pressed on his comment during the presidential race. Remember, he was up there saying, hell yes, I'll take your AR-15s. And the Democratic base went nuts. They loved it. Well, now he's in Texas. And that is saying out loud, I'll take your guns. Not really going to fly in Texas. So Beto said he's not for that anymore, essentially because he can't get it done. So he's for, for progress. And he flipped the issue and said, why don't we raise the age of the of of how old you have to be to purchase an assault rifle. They did it in Florida. So that was a that was a score one for Beto on that one. I think I think that was that was a smart play for him. He also you know said back back to the Uvalde shooting. He said, "Look, these were your troopers, Governor. Why didn't they go in? Aren't you responsible for these guys?" And Abbott said, 
look, they're being investigated. We, we will be holding those guys accountable, the, the police officers, the ominous photos of those police officers who stood outside the classroom instead of going in and saving those kids' lives and taking out the shooter. Beto also had a clever line calling Abbott the largest driver of inflation in Texas. And this goes back to the grid problem, which became a very Texas issue in February 2021 when they had that horrible winter storm and it knocked out power for millions. Ted Cruz fled to Cancun or uh, Mexico. And Beto hit him for that, saying, look, the grid's not ready. Electric rates are up. Property taxes are up. Abbott said, hey, property taxes are up because valuations are up. I've made your house value skyrocket. So, of course, the tax bill is going to go up with it. So, but I thought the inflation, you know, obviously that's a vulnerability for, for Democrats now everywhere because they're in power in Washington, but Abbott's in power in in Austin. So Beto flipped that and said, you're the largest driver of inflation in Texas. Again, putting Abbott on the defensive. So overall, I would have to score this debate a draw. You really need, you know, Beto probably needed a, a big moment to catch Abbott in an inconsistency or a lie or just catch him off guard, looking unprepared. He didn't get that. Abbott looked prepared for everything that was thrown at him. But Beto put together a textbook performance, and you got to give both candidates credit. This was a worthy debate. This is the only one they're doing, unfortunately. But I think it was very substantive for voters to watch and see, you know, pick a vision. It was substantive, and I got to give the Next Star affiliates credit They ran a very smooth debate, tight ship, smart questions. They moved it along. The hour flew. The the production was was run seamlessly. So shout out to Nexstar and the the moderators for that debate because a lot of times these debates are not run very well and there's bad questions. So, look, this is about a seven, eight-point race. As I said before, going to be very hard for Better to catch up, and it will be interesting to see what he does next. Because he had that failed run for Senate, failed run for President, he's a young guy, he's obviously an ambitious guy, he's actually asked about his ambitions in the debate. I don't know, this might be the end. You lose three times, it's very tough. And maybe that explained sort of his solemn dourness, but I think it elevated his substance. He was very well prepared, and you got a you got a very specific vision of what type of governor he would be. Even though it doesn't look like he's going to become governor. One final note on this, and then I'll let you guys go. One final note on this is that I think you know Texas hasn't had a Democratic governor in three decades. One day they will win the governorship down the road. I don't know if it's five years or ten years. And and part of that will have to be to O'Rourke's credit for sort of building the infrastructure, giving people hope that Democrats can win 
you know, even a Senate seat, not only on the governor level, but on the federal level as well. The Democrats can win a statewide race in Texas. And I don't think he's going to get there this year. But, you know, Stacey Abrams gets so much credit in in Georgia for building the infrastructure that led to the elections of Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff in 2021. But I think O'Rourke will have to get some of that credit when a Democrat eventually wins in Texas. Because I actually think he's a very good candidate, but sometimes good candidates don't win. And that is the rant for Too Close to Call.